Welcome to the B Major Podcast with Noah Aronson. I am Noah Aronson. I'm a recording artist, composer, performer, and intentional mover. I create music and interactive experiences to activate creativity in the mind and body. This podcast is a playground for you to explore the intersection of wellness and creativity. My process involves activating the voice by dropping into the body. I developed this method to help me battle depression and anxiety, and now I'm excited to share with you how creativity can be a powerful modality to add to other wellness and healing practices you may have. I call it the Revoice Method, and all of the music you'll hear on this podcast will be a result of this creative practice. Each week, you'll hear interviews with practitioners working in the wellness and creativity space, be guided through meditations, and will be invited into my revoice method. It is my belief that we are all quote-unquote creatives, and when we can activate our creativity authentically, we can all be happier, healthier, be more joyful, we can all be major. Welcome back, Be Major friends. On today's episode, I interview David Essel, who has been a pioneer of the positive thinking movement, having worked in the field for over 40 years and written a number of best-selling books. Our interview is highly energized and you can hear us ping-ponging our shared creativity off one another. I've heard a range of opinions over the years around the topic of positive thinking, ranging from the extreme of it, saying that positive thinking is the most essential practice we can cultivate, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which is saying that positive thinking is actually an avoidance tactic used to bypass our actual emotions. As with most things, I land somewhere in the middle of that spectrum and have found that learning to employ some techniques of positive thinking has truly helped me combat my inner demons while also getting tremendous value in intentionally sitting with my discomfort and more painful emotions in order to heal them and grow in the process. I think both perspectives are actually essential for cultivating a healthy creative practice. While on the one hand, part of the job of the artist is to have the ability, and I would also add the courage, to examine what is coming up for us and then expressing that authentically. On the other hand, for some of us, the process of sitting in our pain can actually be so uncomfortable that it triggers our resistance and then prevents us from actually getting to work. We need to find a way to become the observer of our experiences and also not to get tossed around in the inevitable wave of the emotions. In that way, I think positive thinking and mindfulness practices can be tremendously beneficial in helping us navigate through that terrain. David talks in the interview about how the first step of positive thinking is actually removing a lot of the obstacles that are blocking us from experiencing happiness. Our addictions, our avoidance behaviors, our anger. These are not simple tasks. Most of us struggle with self-examination and changing behaviors. And there's also a fine line between self-examination and self-judgment. 
it's challenging to look at ourselves and what we are doing that may not be serving us and not fall into the trap of self-judgment and self-hatred. So I would argue that the first step to positive thinking is actually self-acceptance. Accept where you are. Accept the journey you've been on up to this point. If you can start from there, then you can start to take a more compassionate approach to examining the things in your life that are not serving you right now. After self-acceptance, then we can begin removing some of the blocks and changing our behaviors. And when we do, we can create a lot more space in our lives to let creativity flow through us more naturally and purely. I promise you, when we do this work, we can experience the world, those around us, and ourselves through a much more positive lens. Yeah, so let's enter into intentional practice, breathing, and simply being. Find a place where you can sit or lie down comfortably, where you know you'll be safe and free to let go for a few moments. A space where you can just be with yourself, your true self. listening into the body. Where are you holding tension? And where can you soften a bit more? This is your time for healing. Other times are meant for growth. This is the time where you can relax into yourself and simply accept who you are. You are unique. No one has lived your life or seen the world through your eyes. And you are an infinitesimal speck of dust one of seven billion living souls on this planet. When you can hold both of these truths simultaneously, you can then begin the process of accepting yourself and your experience without judgment, without blame, without victimization. You simply are. You are a human being. And all you need to do is simply be. So where can you let go a bit more? Where can you inject a bit more acceptance into your life?
taking a few more moments of reflection, letting the music take you deeper into yourself. precious breaths then begin to invite in a bit more movement into your body coming back into this space and start to prepare yourself for my dynamic interview with the author and motivational speaker David Essel Speaking today with David Essel, who for the last 40 years has emerged as one of the most powerful teachers in the positive thinking movement. He is a best-selling author, a counselor, a minister, a life changer, and who knows, he might be a wizard too. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's so good to have you here. Just nice to meet you. This is wonderful. No, I, you know, I, I thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I may be on the pathway of wizardry. If I hit it, I'll let you know. You'll be the first one for sure. <laughs> but I'm excited, you know, in the little pre-interview, just talking, uh, you know, I love your energy. I, I, I think that this is going to be awesome. And whoever is meant to hear these messages, they will hear them, right? Absolutely. I, I so agree with that. Uh, I've actually been doing a lot of work recently with releasing and surrendering. Just put it out there into the world because that's where it needs to be. You know, Noah, you just said something that we believe in so strongly in our work. You mentioned, you know, over 40 years in counseling and writing books and all that stuff. But what you just said is our number one philosophy, and that is to become more successful. Move number one is to remove those potential blocks, belief systems, addictions, whatever it might be. Like move number one. You know, one of the confusing things in the world of personal growth is that, you know, people think, okay, I want to make a million dollars a year. I want to find the love of my life, which are great goals, but they don't think about what beliefs have stopped me from making a million dollars a year up till now. And what do I need to remove? What habits have I you know, accrued over the years that's blocking me from earning that money? Same thing with love, you know, like, okay, I'm ready for a great love relationship. Now, am I super secure with myself? Am I a great communicator or am I codependent? Am I passive aggressive? So let's say that someone awakens and they say, I want a great relationship. And they look at these questions I just asked and they said, wow, I've been codependent and passive aggressive. Well, work on those two things to remove them before you bring in a new person. So, you know, we always say remove first whatever could be holding you back, whatever self-sabotages goals, then add the fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it makes so much sense because we don't even realize how much negativity we're attracting to ourselves when we stay in the hurt, we stay in the pain, we stay in the sadness, and we just keep re-inviting in that same energy back into our lives because that's what we're communicating that we want the universe to give us. Yeah, 
Oh, 100% correct. So, you know, the other thing we always ask people to do is write down the top names of people that you correspond with every 14 days. Okay, now this is a killer exercise and it wakes a lot of people up. <clears throat> it might be someone you text every other day, maybe someone you call every week, might be someone you email every other day, or maybe it's someone you meet in person, right? So you have them write down all their names and then next to them we say, do they lift you up? Do they hold you down or are they neutral? Well, the obvious thing happens is that when people are struggling in life, Noah, they see that the people around them up to 90% may be neutral or holding them back. You know, so we say, okay, it doesn't mean you have to let go of all these people, but it does mean you need to start limiting your time. Remember, let go first, add second. And as you let go of that space and time with people that let's say are judgmental, negative, conspiracy theorists, whatever it might be, you open up the space for the people that will help you get to the next level, right? It makes so much sense. You know, uh, my, my, my medium is a little bit different. I'm a musician, I'm a composer, and I'm a producer. And we have this philosophy in mixing music uh, where it's called reductive equalization, reductive EQ. So you have an audio signal. Uh, and then when you're trying to mix it, you actually first have to remove the trash parts of it before, you can before it can enter in. Because if you just put in the audio signal as it is, you're keeping the crap with the, the beauty. And so one of the first things you do is not to try to lift up everything, but let's reduce all of the noise so that we can really Perfect. hold on to what the magic is of that piece of audio. See, your analogy is identical. You know, I just love it. And, and I'll tell you where I picked this up from. 30 something years ago, I took a course on Kabbalah which is the mystical arm of Judaism, right? And so I took this course and then it was, I don't know, six or eight weeks long. And when the woman offered again, I came back. And when she offered again, I came back. And then the third time she goes, you've taken this course, this is your third time. Like, why are you here? And Noah, I'm gonna share a little story um, that I got from her course that I wanted to ground into my heart and soul, which is why I kept returning to her course. And it's this analogy that she gave in the Kabbalah. She said, we believe that everyone in that in this very moment is totally filled with both darkness and light. Okay, some people are 80% light, 20% darkness. Some people are 20% darkness, 80% life. Some people are 50-50. And when we talk about darkness and light, we could talk about darkness as gossip, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, low self-worth, codependency, right? That would be the darkness, addiction. That would be the darkness. And and so she said, then the light, you know, is the compassion and service and love and, you know, all those kind of things. But then she says this, if you're totally filled right now and you're in this class to become more light, to welcome in more light, it'll never happen because the light will hit the top of your head. And just like in a shower, it will roll off until you remove part of the darkness. So as you remove, you know, the small ego and judgment and arrogance and irritability, you allow space then for your affirmations, prayer, readings to actually get grounded, you know, and I love, and I kept coming back to her class just to hear that one thing, you know, because it made so much sense, Noah, and it became a huge part of our teaching. Ah, oh, this is 
Uh, it's so magical just just listening to you and talking. It's, it sounds like uh, there's so much alignment here. Um, I, I'm so curious about your journey that you write on your website, uh, master your subconscious mind to master your life. And that seems to be the thesis statement of your, of your work. I'm wondering if we can just talk a little bit about your journey. You mentioned that 30 years ago, you took this powerful Kabbalah class. I'm wondering like what events have led you to kind of become, to, to arrive where you are at right now so that you can actually learn to master your own subconscious mind? I have not a clue. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Just okay, next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> you know, um, wow, what a loaded question. You know, I, you know, I came from a very strong faith-based family. Um, now, I was a radical, a rebel. I was a really horrendous child, Noah. And I say that just quite frankly. You know, I had an older sister, a younger brother that, you know, followed mom and dad's rules. And I was one of those black sheep. Um, you know, over the years, I matured. And at 30, I called my mom and dad and said, 90% of what you tried to teach me as a kid was right. I was arrogant. I was misplaced. I was, you know, and it was a beautiful um, coming back into the fold type of thing. But, but I have to tell you that even though I don't have the same beliefs that my family does, my mom just passed four months ago, huh. but my dad's still with us. And um, I, you know, I, I don't have the same strong religious beliefs. I became an all faith minister and all faith pastor because I love all religion so, but, but that was really the foundation, you know, for me anyway, and it doesn't have to be for anyone else, but my foundation was that, was that, you know, we, we really prayed every day as a family. Um, that part, I didn't mind Noah, you know, I just, the only thing I minded was my parents telling me what to do. <laughs> but besides that, I, I was a great kid, right? If they didn't tell me what to do, I was a great kid. I was in a good mood, but I think that was the starting point. Um, and then, you know, I went into 30 years of addiction, starting at the age of 12. Uh, and the addiction went, you know, all over the place. But even as I became a counselor and an author, I still had the addiction, you know, for a very long time. And I, I, I believe that all addictions have the potential to lead us directly to God. Oh directly. Now, you could say universal light, universal energy, seashores, mountains, I don't care what you believe your entity is, right? It, it, I use the word God because I like the word God, but it doesn't mean that anyone else has to. But the addiction got me so humble, Noah. The addiction got me to realize that I couldn't get life through life on my own. The addiction made me go into a treatment center where I met one of the most amazing amazing men I've ever met in my life, Father Ron, who um, in, in the Roman Catholic Church was a Monsignor, which is, you know, very high up there in that religion. Well, he devoted his free time to be the spiritual counselor at an addiction center. And so I walked in, I spent three days in detox, uh, and then I went into what they call general population. And the first day going into general population, I'm walking to my room, I got my bags in my hand, and I'm there for 30 days. And this guy comes up to me and says, are you Essel? And I said, yeah. He goes, Father Ron wants to see you right now. And I had no idea who Father Ron was. I knock on the door. I walk in. I pull out the chair to sit in front of him in the desk. And he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I was asked to see you. I was going to sit down. He goes, don't sit down. I said, okay. He goes, I have a question for you. Why are you here? Now, this is the power of addiction, Noah, right? I said, um, to learn how to drink moderately. Now think about this. I've had a 30 year addiction, right? And he looks at me and he goes, 
are you serious? I'm going to give you another chance. Why are you here? And I said, um, to get on medication to decrease my cravings for drugs and alcohol. No, he's shaking his head. He's looking up at the sky. He's going, oh my God. And then he goes, I'm going to give you one last try. Why are you here? I said, to get sober. <laughs> he goes, brilliant, brilliant answer. He goes, now I'm going to see you tomorrow at 2.30, but I'm going to give you an assignment. There's a track outside. He said, I know you're into, into fitness. I know you're a minister. I know you're an author. I know all this about you. And he said, but you're going to be shocked when we meet tomorrow. Now get out of here, go walk the track and think. So I went on the track and I walked for over two hours at the hour and a half mark. Now I have on my wrist, what's called a mala and it's a Buddhist prayer beat, right? For people that are familiar uh, for Christians, you know, it might be the rosary, right? And for a lot of different religions, we have different names for prayer beats. So I have my mala on and I took it off as I do every day. And as I'm walking, I'm praying. Noah, it was, it was unbelievable. You know, people, when people say the heavens open up, man, it can really blow your mind. And I know you've experienced it as a musician, an altered state, an incredible, outrageous connection that you don't know where it comes from, but here it is. And the message was fully surrender your life and will to me. Mm. Fully surrender your life and will to me. Noah, for the next hour, I walked on my mala and I just repeated, I fully surrender my life and will to you, God. Now, someone could say to universal energy or whatever, I'll keep reminding that because some people are turned off by the word God, which I understand. But I kept walking. I fully surrender my life and will to you, God. So I walked into Father Ron the next day. And he actually said, go ahead and sit down, which I thought was very nice. <laughs> and so we have this, and he looks directly in my eyes. Noah, he blew my mind. He says, you got it, David, didn't you? And I looked at him, I said, how do you know, Father Ron? He said, it's written all over your face. And then he says this, you're ready to surrender, aren't you? I was just out of my mind blown away, Noah. And so, you know, tears came to my eyes. I was so overwhelmed with joy with gratitude that, you know, he had piqued my interest. I had done what he said. I surrendered to him first. And then through my surrender to him, I find this outrageous surrender. And then he says this to me. He said, David, there's 60 men in this treatment center and there's 60 women in this treatment center. He said, there's only one other person that has reached the level that you have. He said, now it's short-lived if you don't really practice it. So I'm gonna offer you an opportunity. For the next 30 days, if you're willing, I'm going to take you to every type of prayer circle in this area, services. I'm going to take you every night, you and this one other gentleman. He said, if you're willing to continue to surrender, when you walk out of this treatment center in 30 days, you will never have another craving for alcohol or drugs for the rest of your life. Noah, that's a huge promise for someone to make, especially to someone who was an addict for 30 years, you know? But he was true. His statement was true. My, as I mentioned, my mom died four months ago. And what a great opportunity to relapse. What a great opportunity to justify, rationalize, defend the need to drink. My mom was my closest friend. I devoted my sobriety to my mom years ago when she was still healthy and alive. So she had a two-year battle with dementia, which is one of the worst diseases that 
this world has ever seen. I, I've gone through a lot. I have never seen something so horrendous. You know where this little five foot, 90 pound woman screaming at her husband for no reason whatsoever. You know, she would get into these fits. They call it Shadowland and dementia. And it was horrendous to experience, right? They were married for 76 years. Mm. 76 years of marriage, right? And here's my dad taking this abuse and he's sick as hell, right? Unbelievable. But what I found was in her suffering, I did not need anything to lean on but my spiritual beliefs to stay sober. I got, yes, I cried. I still cry. I mean, I could cry during this interview. It comes from out of nowhere. It's only been a few months. I'm right there with you, David. I got tears welling up in my eyes just listening to you. You, your, your story is powerful, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's you know, it's incredible. No, you know, there's two men here sharing emotion. I just wrote this article about men and their fathers, and you know how we're missing out. Men are missing out by not sharing emotion. You know, like Absolutely. we're trying to be these super strong idiots, and you know, I say that with love. Um, because I was a super strong idiot for so long. And, you know, like she was my world. And, and for me to go there and to experience everything and to not even think about my prior addiction, huh. that's the power that every human being has. When they surrender, you know, when they turn their life over, to whatever name you want to call it, right? Like there's this amazing power and strength that comes. But, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound too easy. You have to work it every day. You don't take Sundays off, Saturdays off. You know, you Brilliant. surrender constantly. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, Noah, in in um, in the world, I, I played Division One basketball for two years. And, you know, one of the things in sports, and you can go up to the Le Le LeBron James level, for God's sake. Um, but, you know, we have to have guidance to get to that next level. Like very few of us go to the next level by ourselves and the next level by ourselves. You know, we have people that push us, mentors, coaches, counselors, therapists, business advisors, right? And so in the surrender, when I'm talking about my surrender to addiction and to God, we could say that in business, you know, surrender to a mentor, right? We could say it with your personal trainer, surrender to a personal trainer who says, don't eat sugar anymore, surrender and you will receive what you're looking for. Oh, David, such powerful wisdom, like flowing through you and emerging out of you. I, um, I'm just overwhelmed. I, I had chills in my arms when you were telling your story. And I am just so appreciative of your honesty and your openness and sharing your experience and your vulnerability uh, in this moment is powerful and is is it, for for everyone who's listening it's it's uh, it's a powerful um it's powerful wisdom so thank you for sharing all that uh, absolutely your your work has reached millions of people it, it's it's really it's really profound and i can see you know why uh why it's working cuz uh, you know it sounds like you have uh, you, you've just been, you've been touched and you've been gifted with this ability uh, to channel. Um, and I, uh, and so clearly you're doing something right in this world and, uh, and we want to learn from you. Uh, so um, yeah, can you talk about some of the ways in which you've seen your work 
really help people and really help them shift. Um, you know, you've been doing this work, you were saying, for 40 years at this point. Uh, you must have seen so much growth and you must have witnessed people uh, coming from their darkness and entering into light. Like, can you sh share a little bit about some of those experiences that you've seen? Well, no, you know, the, the thing that's really magical is, um, and it's so fascinating, the questions you're asking me today. I mean, you're being channeled through as well. And so I, I just love it. You know, I say it's fascinating because, you know, I recently got engaged and we put our pictures up this past week and nice. it's a very exciting time, you know, nice. uh, it's especially, you know, at my age, 65, uh, to be starting over and in an exciting love relationship that is so based in spirituality. And, uh, you know, Mia is just this amazing, amazing individual. But in, you know, when we posted on, on Facebook, we got a lot of responses. And, you know, and some of the most beautiful things is I got a response yesterday. I'll just use her first name from Jody. Um, I met Jody in 1994 as a counselor, and she, I worked with her for several years. Uh, lots of struggles with a, a former partner and a child, and there was all these battles, and then trying to find a career path, and I mean, it was just a lot of work. Uh, and and at the end of the two years, I, she and from that 1996 till today, she has rocked this world, Noah, in the most beautiful ways. And she left a message yesterday on our our Facebook page that was so incredibly complimentary, saying that I would never be here without David. You know, and that was 1994. So I don't know how many years ago it was, but you know, when when we receive messages of people that were lost, and Jody was lost, completely lost, you know, and and now I have to say this, I, I don't want to take a lot of credit for this, Noah, because as you said earlier, you know, I I am spoken through, channeled through constantly, and so when someone comes to work with me, as long as they do the work you know, the written work, the readings and all that, because in counseling, we highly believe in doing work in between sessions. If someone has a 10% desire to change mm. and they do the work we request, we guarantee change wow. or your money back. Mm. And in 40 years, Noah, we've never returned a penny. Huh. And, and I can only say it's because the clients do the work, right? I, I can't, you know, fly to Portland every day and make sure someone's accountable, whether they're recovering from a divorce an addiction, a financial challenge, but if they do the work, they'll heal. And so the gift that I'm given that's coming down from above really comes in the form of questions and assignments, Noah. That, that's, that's my strength, you know, is I, I've learned to listen really well, which is a lost art in our society. It, you know, it really is. I mean, in therapy, you have to be a good listener or you're not going to last very long, right? But really, it's it's the messages that come through me to ask this question at this moment, to give this assignment at this moment. And I feel really blessed. You know, I was telling Mia, uh, my fiance last night, this because she was saying to me, you know, we, we, we have a new TV show that we're doing with a new TV online, all motivation. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to come out in about 30 days. So we're taping segments right now. In a lot of the segments, I host the show and I have no guest. I have 30 minutes of just David on, on air, right? And she says to me last night, we've taped 10 shows and you don't use notes. How the heck do you do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm laughing because the answer is, is that I have so much faith and 40 years of experience helps for sure. 
but I have so much faith that I know the right words at the right time are going to be given to me. There, there isn't a stress. There isn't a worry. There isn't anxiety, right? And, and now that does come from a lot of experience, absolutely, but it also comes from something that people are very familiar with. When you call upon God or call upon your angels or call upon universal light, you will be supplied. You know, we believe that God says, I'm going to meet you halfway or universal energy says, I'm going to meet you halfway. So here's God or universal energy saying, you do the human work, the stuff you don't want to do. You go to school when you and work two jobs, you do all that. And then when you get here, David, I'll take over. And, you know, in my addiction, it was true. I worked so hard to stay sober. And then the time I needed it the most, mm. it was effortless. Right. And, and so these are the messages, you know, that I'm so glad that your mindset is attached to mine in regards to Noah, what messages can help this world heal. That's really what we're doing. You know, we're, we're talking about experiences to help the world heal at one of the times that it's most needed right now. Mm, absolutely. And you have such an authentic expression that it just, it's flowing through you and you have, uh, that gives you the confidence. I mean, it sounds like your faith and uh, your, you, somehow you learned how to tap in and you had to tune in. You talked about listening before. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very powerful, uh, even over Zoom. It's, uh, it's, I, I, can, I can sense it. I, I had awesome. to learn, I used to have stage fright uh, and before I would perform. And then I learned, oh, I just have to be me. Me, being me is the easiest thing in the world. I don't, I can be me. And then the, the stage fright just kind of fizzled away. And I just, I just went up there and just, oh, all I have to do is show up and be myself. And, and that's the, then the, then the channels can open up. We were talking earlier about removing all of the ego and everything. If you can remove that, then you're an open channel. You're a conduit for it all. You, you really are. And, you know, for, for everyone with us right now, when Noah and I are talking about removing, you know, the beliefs, the habits that are self-sabotaging and are holding you back, in our experience, you're probably going to have to work with someone because we become so used to habits and thoughts and beliefs that aren't healthy that a lot of times we don't even realize, you know, that what we're thinking. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, the other day I'm working with a gentleman that wants to increase his income dramatically. So I had given him all these exercises and one of the exercises was really a simple one. When you see someone in a Bentley or a Rolls Royce, or you see a man with two Rolex watches on, or you see a woman with you know a $100,000 diamond ring, what image comes into your mind? And every image he wrote down was negative. You know, they're greedy. You don't need to have a Rolls Royce. You can, you know, so that person's greedy. You know, this person's a show off. A hundred thousand diamond dollar diamond ring. Why the hell do you have that just being a show off? So I was able to show him that his beliefs are blocking his ability to move forward financially. Because if you can't celebrate someone else's success, you have internal blocks of jealousy, envy, and that's going to kill your financial opportunities. Does that make sense? Oh. I, I, it is 
so making sense. Uh, me personally, I feel like I have been that man at judging and uh, and having negativity around money, uh, and only now emerging. And I and, I, and an ex girlfriend, uh, we used to have arguments about it because she had an abundance mindset around wealth and around uh, materials, and I had a judgmental uh, mindset around it. And I. Somewhere along the line, I, I turned the corner and I started to realize that that was limiting me. That was holding me back to 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 open up to the expansiveness. It's all possible. It's all open. It, it is, and it doesn't matter what field we're in. You know, it, the pandemic has proven that there were people that were really hurting financially during the pandemic that have become millionaires. Like that just tells you if you're open. You know, I, I there was um, uh, a guy in, in the city, this little city I live in in Florida, and um, one of my assistants works for him as well. And so he was putting, um, you know, like the for sale signs for a house. OK, we're in the middle of the pandemic. No one's getting together. No one's meeting. He puts these little signs up that say cooking classes. Join us now. Well, people had all kinds of time right during the pandemic. You have a lot of people out of work, a lot of people working half time. He made so much money during the pandemic with cooking classes, for God's sake. So, you know, if, if you have a limited mindset, you'd be, it's in the pandemic. This is not the time to start a business. If you have an abundant mindset, you'd say, we're in the pandemic. It's the perfect time to start a business. What hole can I fill that's not being filled? How can I serve people? In a, you know, I mean, there's another one of my assistants began delivering groceries. So she would have a set fee, right? Like I'm gonna, you're gonna pay me X amount of dollars. You're gonna give me the list. You're gonna give me the money for grocery. She created a full-time business during the pandemic when she had no money coming in. So, you know, so much of what you're saying with the mindset is that we've got to first pay attention to what are the blocks in our mindset? So do I judge wealthy people? Do I judge the pandemic as a time to sit back and collect the unemployment check and not work instead of, taking this time to write the book you've always wanted to write, to start the part-time business you've always, right. to start playing music like Noah, for <laughs> God's sake, right? <laughs> oh, you're so right. You're, you're, you're just channeling everything that's been going on in my own personal life. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about creativity. Um, I think creativity factors in in a great way, especially with this conversation about spirituality and abundance and receiving. Uh, a big part of what I do with B Major is we're trying to find the meeting point between our wellness practices and our creativity practices, and uh, and which is one of the reasons I reached out to you because you're a prolific writer. So that means you must enjoy writing. It must flow through you in a similar way that your your words flow through you. But can you talk a little bit about for you the relationship between your spirituality and your creativity and your writing practice? Oh, wow. What a big question. You know, the, um, the, the creativity part is really a fascinating question because I was a jock, um, you know, up until my early thirties. I mean, all I ever thought that I would be is a sports psychologist, uh, an exercise expert, you know, all that kind of stuff. And at 33, uh, there was a woman, Deborah, who worked for me as a part-time assistant. And I had my office in my studio in the home at that time. And she would come over and she brought her little girls with her. Well, her two little girls were probably like eight and six. And so while Deborah was doing work for me, organizing stuff and all, this is going back into the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, um, I would be telling stories to her kids, you know, just making up stories. And so one day as she's walking out, she goes, why don't you write a book? I said, write a book, I'm a jock. Seriously, like my belief system was, 
I was the least creative person on earth. And I mean this sincerely, right? And so I said, I can't write a book. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a jock. I, I do this physical stuff. I do sports psychology. And she said, David, I think you need to think about that. And then after she left, two days later, I'll never forget what happened. In 1987, I had about a three hour meeting with a Vedic astrologer from India. Now, a Vedic astrology, the only reason that I heard about Vegas, uh, Vedic astrology is because I was very close to Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who was the founder of Transcendental Meditation. So he introduced me to one of his guys that was a Vedic astrologer who could not speak English, came to the United States with an, with, uh, an interpreter. And now this is about probably five years before Deborah said you should write a book. And during this three hour incredible uh, reading of astrology, and this guy nailed me. I mean, it was really serious stuff. You know, this wasn't cosmopolitan horoscope stuff. <laughs> you know, this was really deep. And he says, you're going to write 17 books. And I looked at him and I started laughing hysterically. <laughs> and, and the person, the interpreter, he said, he wants to know why are you laughing? I said, I, I go, I barely passed English in college, okay? I've never done journalism, never done broadcast journalism, never did English literature. What do you mean I'm gonna write 17 books? And the Vedic astrologer started laughing harder than me. And he goes, you don't even know yourself. And I said, no, I guess I don't. He goes, 17 books are coming. Well, when Deborah said that, now I have a tie-in, right? And I'm starting to thinking, are these guys both crazy? I'm a jock. And here we are, you know, years later, 11 books done. We have a new one started. And so, you know, we've really got to look at those inner beliefs of what we are not. And here's another exercise for, for everyone. Write down what you think you are not. I'm not creative. I'm terrible at time management. I'm always late. I'm whatever it might be. Like, write down what you think you're not, that you're not good at, because it's probably freaking true. And those could be the things that are totally blocking everything you want in life. Mm. You know, uh, what you were saying about those, those moments of gifts, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, God has been trying to plant seeds uh, in our lives. Uh, yes. And we have to just be open to, to, to tending to them and, and seeing that they even exist. There's these, there's these signs that exist all over and the universe or whatever we want to call it is trying to meet us where we're at. And it's just waiting for us to emerge and blossom. Oh, absolutely. And you're, you know, when we're talking about creativity here, you know, I hear this astrologer tell me and I blew that off. And then my assistant tells me and I blow that off. And then, you know, my mind starts thinking a little bit, wait a minute, I've had two people. And that's another thing, you know, when, when we may have, you know, people with us right now that have been told they'd be a great chef or a great uh, uh, life coach or a great uh, whatever florist or, or hairstylist or artist or musician like, you Noah, you know, and we have a tendency to say, ah, that's not for me, or I don't have time. But if the message comes repetitively, you know, that's God, the universe, whatever the word is, you know, trying to wake us up to say, wait a minute, you're missing out. You have these gifts that aren't being utilized, right? And, and then once you tap into like, oh, let, let me back up for a second about creativity before I say, when, when did you tap into? Remember, the greatest pure spiritual source comes when you're living the purest life. Mm. You know, and, and I think this is really important. When you're living with addiction, anxiety, depression, I mean, those are all many times very serious blocks to creativity. 
as a musician, you know, and, and I know that musicians a lot of times feed off the challenges in life to create amazing music, right? right. But they're taking something difficult and spinning it in a creative way to yes. touch people's hearts. Yes. So they're taking pain and creatively making use of it. That's what I'm talking about with like our, our create our creative practices can actually soothe us into wellness and our wellness practices can actually lead us to be more creative and open up uh, so much potential for, for others and also for ourselves. Yeah. It's yeah, totally. And, and you know, the, the minute you start to change, you affect seven people around you, right? These studies have been out forever. But the minute you start to change, so the minute you say, I'm cutting back on sugar, I'm, I'm going to start being more creative and go after, you know, a position I've always wanted. I'm going to redo my, my resume and start looking for a better job. I, I, I'm treated like crap where I am or whatever it is. The minute you start to change, the closest seven people around you have the opportunity to change as well. So it's never a self-centered move to take care of yourself because you taking care of yourself can inspire people around you to do the same. I I think I literally wrote word for word on Instagram a few a few weeks ago. The post was I I don't only work out for myself. I also work out for every person who I interact with in my life on that day, because uh, it's my self care is not just for me. It's also for everyone else. Amen, Noah. That is so true. You know. So when we're actually involved with daily meditation or contemplation and exercise and clean eating and all those things. We're fueling the body to be more creative, right? When, oh, and let, let's let's talk about this. We talked about friends earlier, you know, minimizing time with those who are negative or that. What are we watching? Because that can destroy creativity. You know, what are we listening to? That can destroy, you know, what are we reading? I mean, if you're the average person that's hooked on series, you know, that has all kinds of affairs and, you know, murders and all, and, and that's your evening fuel well don't be surprised when your life sucks and i say that with love you know but don't be surprised when you're struggling when your mind is filled with arguments of the conspiracy or the political nonsense or you know the vaccine stuff like whatever you're fueling yourself with is going to be regurgitated not only by you to the world but the world to you so you know that's why when i ask people to get clean you know June 1st of last year, a year and what, uh, a month and a half ago or whatever, we eliminated all media, all, all television, except for basketball. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a basketball junkie. <laughs> What'd you say? Some things are sacred. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I love that, Noah. That's great, you know? Yeah, and so to me, it's sacred. And I'm in the middle of my, you know, the finals right now in basketball. So I'm in heaven. But literally in our house, there is no TV that's ever on. You know, and from that time to today, our stress levels are so low. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I always tell people, they say, well, you know, you need to stay updated on the news. And I always say the same thing. Listen, if there's something major I need to know, I'll find out somehow. I don't have to be glued to that stupid TV every day, right? But if you are glued, and this might upset you, and I'm just speaking factually, not at anyone personally, but if you are spending every evening watching this nonsense sensationalistic bs and you're struggling please look at the connection yeah if you're up at 5 a.m immediately on the stock market or answering social media or twitter let's really rethink that and what we say noah is that for creativity especially 
The first hour of every day should be your sacred hour. No electronics at all. Writing, journaling, meditating, praying. Like if you're going to read anything, read something motivational. If it's, it could be, you know, uh, something by Anthony Robbins. It could be Wayne Dyer, Susie Orman. It might be something from scripture. But that first sacred hour opens up a whole world of creativity and you start your day on the up, which means you're probably going to continue for quite a ways in that up position. Uh, I do not want to end this interview. I could talk to you uh, for hours and hours. I have a thousand more questions and I haven't asked any one of the questions that I prepared because <laughs> I just have been loving the flow of conversation with you, David. It's been an mm -hmm. honor to, to speak with you. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, I've been speaking with David Essel, who is a, a writer and a uh, influencer and a minister and a life changer and, and so, and a counselor. Uh, and so, um, I am just so honored to have had a chance to connect with you today. It's been uh, a real joy and a real pleasure. I hope that we can stay connected uh, in our, our lives and uh, can, can intertwine in other ways uh, through the years. Uh, but thank you again for taking the time to chat today. I hope you are as energized and invigorated as I am from that interview. We will put links to access more of David's work so that if you choose to, you can begin an incredible journey of infusing more positive thinking into your life. I promise you that this will enhance your creative practices as well. We don't need to be the brooding artist sulking in the corner. When we can create more space in our lives for positivity, the creativity will actually start to flow through us more fluidly the way it's meant to. If you are feeling inspired by today's podcast, feel free to share it with your friends and on your social networks. Just as David is on a mission to spread positive thinking, I am on a mission to remind everyone that we are all creative. If there's any way that we can make this podcast serve you better, please don't hesitate to reach out to us with feedback. You can email us at info at or you can comment on one of our social media posts. If you're not already following us, please do so on all the social media platforms so that you can stay up to date with all the creativity that we are putting out into the world right now. Subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch videos of my music and my revoice vocal looping method. Stream my new album, Move, on all the streaming platforms, or you can purchase it directly on my website, www.noaharonson.com. I am doing a six-part series of my revoice method through the group song platform created by my friend Max Jarrett. We will make links available for you if you'd like to sign up for this or any of our B major workshops. Looking forward to being back with you here next week for another B major podcast episode. As always, I'm reminding you that we can all be happier, healthier, more creative. We can all be major. Gotta let you know.